series is our second last week. Next week we will conclude the series proper on uh, 10 weeks. I'm looking at pausing and praying. And we did a survey back on April 21 and those results have now just been collated. Uh, they concluded being collated this week and so we'll give you that feedback uh, in time to come. <clears throat> You'll see on the uh, platform behind me that um, Michael and I'm not sure who else is helping him, but Michael particularly is the brainchild for this one, of, has put up a summary, key words of all the, the attitudes we are to have when we talk to God in prayer. There's a lot of them, isn't there? It's a checklist, and I trust that's been helpful for you and not an overwhelming thing. Oh my goodness, look what I've got to do. It's rather a challenge for us to be corrected and to be biblical in what we're doing. <clears throat> so you can see all very helpful reminders that we are to persevere, we're to pray in harmony with God's will, accepting God's response committed, forgiving. This morning we're talking about humility, which is a difficult concept to talk about. But I thought it was ironic that dirt clod, <laughs> that's not a bad definition of humility, is it? That when we come to talk to God, we are aware that we are nothing but dirt. Glorified helpers, Daryl. Dirt clods. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Scripture says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, to humble ourselves and then pray, to seek God's face, turn from our wicked ways, then, the Lord says, then I will hear. I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. It's a great verse and maybe in a few weeks I'll come back and we'll talk more about that one verse. This morning, though, we're going to read a very famous story, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14 about two guys who go to church one day to pray. Jesus tells, and he even tells us why he gives us this story. It follows on after the story Jesus told, which we looked at last week, about the persistent widow. That we as God's people, as we live under his rule in this fallen world, are to persevere, to continue to seek him and to pray and not give up. The answer might be long in coming, but we are to endure until the king comes to continue to follow him. This parable, the Lord Jesus says in verse 9, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. They looked down on others. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, Thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, wouldn't even look up to heaven, but was beating his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. All who humble themselves will be honoured. We come to talk to God, we need to humble ourselves. It's possible, like this Pharisee, that we could come to God arrogantly, in which case it's a waste of time, as it was for him. It was a religious performance, but it didn't achieve anything. Well, Jesus told this story 
not so much about prayer, which is what we're talking about, but the story itself. It's more about salvation. It's more about Jesus is seeking to correct those who were trusting in themselves that they were righteous. It's Australian society. It's many of the members of my family. It's many of the people I know outside the context of this church community. Jesus told this parable to those who were confident in themselves. You ask your friends, neighbours, work colleagues, people you play with, are you right with God? Do you believe there is a God? Do you believe that when you die you'll go to heaven? And many of them, the vast majority, will say probably, yes, I believe there's a God and I hope there's a heaven and if there is, then yep, I should get in. Why? Why? Well, because I'm basically a good person, trusting in themselves. Others would perhaps be a bit more articulate or expanded a bit. I've always tried to do my best. God should be pleased with me. And if people don't think that of themselves, people certainly think that of others. That when a loved one dies, that's the most common response or feeling, along with a hope that they should get into heaven. They should be accepted of God because they were a nice person. They were a good person. They did many good things, trusting in ourselves. One person said, I never intentionally hurt anyone. I can't say that. I have intentionally hurt people, particularly when I was playing football. (laughs) Well, they weren't laughing when I did it. (laughs) I won't tell you any more of my sins of my youth. Rhonda's dad, uh, Rhonda's not with me today, she's homesick. Kids have been sneezing and coughing over her, and she, being a good submissive wife, has caught everything. Uh, As Robin said this morning, but at least she's got a good nurse. Mm. Rhonda's dad, I asked him, did he believe in God? Yep. You're going to go to heaven? Yep. Why? Because I keep the golden rule. I try to do unto others as I want them to do unto me. Trusting in himself and his own abilities it's very common isn't it or i've kept the ten commandments anybody who says that just check it out just get them to tell you what the ten commandments are they won't tell you they won't know i would pretty confidently guess and when they talk about the ten commandments they're not talking about all ten they're talking about five of them they're talking about the second table of the law i haven't murdered anybody i haven't uh, Committed adultery, I haven't stolen, I haven't bore false witness. They usually stop around about there. They don't get to coveting, because we've all done that. And they don't do the front ones. To honour God and to revere his name and to keep the Sabbath and to honour your parents. We all fall short, don't we, on all those sorts of things. So question for you guys here this morning. That's what people generally in the world think, trusting in themselves. What do you think? Are you right with God? Do you believe there's a heaven? And if you do, and there is, are you going to get in? And if so, how? How are you going to get in? You see, there's only one answer. The only way to get into heaven is through Jesus, through knowing him. And a good thing to do to help people realise that we really are falling short. This helps with an attitude of humility, of self-awareness of the reality of what we are like. Is think of a scale, one to ten, floor to ceiling. Where would you place yourself? 
Yeah, do this exercise yourself now. Where would you place yourself in terms of moral goodness, fairness, a nice, genuine, sincere sort of a person? Where would you place yourself? More to the top? There wouldn't be too many of us that would place ourselves down here, would there? I wouldn't think so. Some might, but most of us would be in the middle and maybe a bit up a bit. Well, then say this, if you use this exercise with others, think about Mother Teresa, who was an outstanding lady, now gone home to be with the Lord. Or Billy Graham. Likewise. Marvellous, greatly respected, man of great integrity. And I'm not sure, has he passed away? Not yet. Um, remarkable man, you know, everybody respects him who's heard of him, particularly in the United States. Billy Graham and Mother Teresa would place themselves without number two or three. That's where they would place themselves. If they would place themselves there, now where would we place ourselves? We can't make it on our own. Jesus told this story to those who were trusting in themselves. Maybe also to get your head around it a little bit. I'm not saying that we're all the same. I don't think that's true. I think some people are nicer, better, wrong word, um, more godly than others. I think there are differences. And even if the differences are like Mount Everest and some other hill, in our perception we might think these people are outstanding, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham. But others are like this, maybe even we are like this. But the comparison is not between ourselves. The comparison is with God. So compared to the distance to the moon, this difference here fades to insignificance. Because from the distance of the moon, Mount Everest and the other hills just all appear to be on a smooth, flat surface, don't they? Well, that's how God sees us. Notice how the parable begins. Two men went to the temple to pray. That's God's perspective. Two men. Two equal humans. Fallen. One a Pharisee, one a tax collector. Morally, in their own perspectives, they were maybe thinking of themselves like this. Certainly the Pharisee would have been. And we are revealed that the tax collector is certainly greatly humbled on this occasion. Two men. Heaven's perspective. We're all made in the image of God. We're all important to him. We all matter to him. That's why Jesus came. Jesus told this story to people who trusted in themselves in order to bring a correction to them. The Pharisee is the hero of this story. Think about this. Two people went to church today. One is a regular churchgoer, a religious leader, who has devoted themselves to serving God and learning about the things of God. Another person who went to church today is someone who is selfish, who is dishonest, and who is greedy who has a job where he does not, has no qualms about ripping people off to his own advantage. Two people went to church today. Both prayed. Which one do you think God heard? Well, of course, the religious one, the righteous one, the one who has devoted himself to the things of God. In the story, the Pharisee. That's what you're expecting. That's what the Jews would have been, as they heard this story, would have been sensing where this story was going. But there was a great reversal because this Pharisee, this religious leader, this person who was trusting in himself, 
was wrong about himself and he was wrong about the tax collector and he was certainly wrong when it came to the things of God. The passage says he went into the temple and he stood. That's not unusual or anything strange about it. He probably also lifted up his arms and his face to heaven. A typical pose or position, posture for the Jews to pray in. And the passage then, depending on your English translation, because the Greek can go in all different sorts of directions, he prayed about himself, he prayed to himself, in other words, he was talking just to himself, by himself, and he prayed out loud for others to hear. Not God, others. What did he pray? Well, he begins appropriately, but it's just a mere empty formality. God, thank you. That's appropriate. But for him, from that point on, thank you that I am so marvellous. Thank you that I'm not like other people. And he lists them. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unrighteous. I am not an adulterer. And I am not like that tax collector. Which seems to imply that as he's standing there and he's praying and his eyes are open and his heads are elevated, he's also looking around to see who is here. And he exposes this poor tax collector and condemns him with this list of extortioners, the adulterous and the unrighteous. And then he tells God not only what he's not, now he's going to tell God what he does. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. God, you should be really impressed with me, trusting in himself. Don't need forgiveness, don't need anything, doesn't ask for anything. What has God got to do in response? Nothing. Did God hear him? Well, God hears all things, doesn't he? Did God bless him? No, the passage says he went away empty-handed at the end. I fast twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. The Old Testament law commanded, instructed the Jewish people to fast once a year. Lord, I do it twice a week. Why Mondays and Thursdays? Well, on Mondays, they think Moses came down from the mountain. Thursdays, he went up the mountain. Jewish tradition. It could very well be another reason. Mondays and Thursdays was market day in Jerusalem, and that was the day when fresh meat arrived. Fresh produce. So on those days, what a grunt to say, oh, no, 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 I'm fasting today. Sorry, no, can't eat. It's a public, it's a... Advertising campaign is what he is conducting, letting people know how good he is and he's wrong. He thought he was accepted with God because of those things and he wasn't. And he's wrong about the tax collector. He thought that person is a great sinner, he's a wicked person. God will have no time for him and he's wrong. Because the tax collector, in fact, is the one who goes home justified and it's the Pharisee who goes home satisfied but not justified. Two men, one trusting in himself. The other thing about the Pharisee to note is everything he said was true. He's not lying. So humility is not just being honest. It's being honest... But there's another dimension to it. There's another attitude that comes with this honesty. There's something missing for him. As one commentator said, Leon Morris, it's not that the Pharisee hasn't gone down the road far enough. He hasn't grown enough spiritually. The fact is that he's on the wrong road. 
He'll never make it. We can't do it by ourselves. We have to be like the tax collector. We have to come to God, aware of our own sinfulness, and to ask him for mercy. That's what this dear tax collector man does. He stood afar off. I'm not sure exactly what that means. He stood afar off from the front. He stood afar off from the building. He stood afar off. It's like he came to church and he stops in the foyer. There are people in our community who have that attitude as well. They don't want to darken the door of the church. They don't want to come in because the roof will cave in on them. You've heard all those sorts of things. Or some of them genuinely feel it. I've had people ask me for permission. Would it be okay if I came to your church? It's like a club, you know, and you're not allowed in unless you have permission. That's how they think of it. So I told them, no, they weren't welcome. (laughs) No, I didn't. I mean, of course you can come. But when they come, and you might be very well here today and have these sorts of feelings, they're nervous, they're unsure, and we need to be welcoming and accepting and assisting one another in this process. Well, this tax collector goes to church, to the temple, to pray. He stood, normal posture of prayer, did not do this, did this. He's just beating his chest. He's remorseful. He realises he's gotten himself into a situation that he cannot fix. He can't undo what he has done. And so he comes to God. God be merciful. Literally, he's saying, God be propitious towards me. Can somebody stand in the gap for me can somebody pay for my wrongs that's literally what he's praying for it's an amazing insight that this guy has out of his desperation and woundedness he has a significant spiritual encounter I'm not sure how many children are here this morning so i won't give you all of the details but jeffrey Dahmer, i've told this story in the evening a couple of times i think Jeffrey Dahmer was a serial killer. It's now dead. United States. He was convicted of 17 murders. They were the ones he was convicted for. They found 11 corpses in his apartment. And all other sorts of stuff that I won't give you the details for. He went to trial. What's the word? Blank expression. Emotionless. No sense of regret, no sense of remorse. When he was in prison, apparently, like the tax collector, came to the point where he realised that he could not undo what he had done. Came to realise his guilt, so he went to God. God be merciful to me, a sinner. And God was. Changed his life put his faith in Jesus, got baptised, started attending chapel, started reading the Bible, was reading Christian books, right up until the point, till one of the inmates killed him. But it would seem that Jeffrey Dahmer, the Milwaukee monster, as they called him, was forgiven. Because he did what we all have to do. There is no other way. You have to come to God, through Jesus, and ask for mercy. There is no other way. You cannot make it on your own. Don't trust in yourself. Well, what does this 
got to do with prayer? Well, the attitude of the tax collector is the attitude that we are to have when we come to God in prayer. We are to come humbly, realising we are dirt clods, realising we are sinners. We don't have to beat ourselves up, just have to be honest. Not just honest outwardly, but honest in here. Self-awareness. What am I really like? I think humility is one of those difficult concepts to get your mind around. It's one of those things that when you see it, you'll know it. When you've got it, you won't know. As soon as you know you've got it, you lose it. Because we become self-focused again and, and pleased. Like me driving. When I obey the law, when I stop at all the red lights, uh, yep, red ones you stop at, isn't it? Yep. When you stop at the stop signs, when you let people in, there's a little pride that rises in me about what a good little boy I am, of how well I obey the law. And I still stumble, and I occasionally don't follow the rules of the road, particularly if I'm by myself. I bend them, overstep the mark, and then feel I shouldn't be doing that. It's like that. When you have humility, you don't know you've got it. It's an attitude that you are demonstrating to others. It is not self-deprecation. It's not groveling in the dust. This is my best attempt, and I might be clearer when I talk about what it isn't. But humility is a sense, a genuine sense of being unworthy. That God has been very gracious to us, and we genuinely are aware we don't deserve it. It's that sense. That's getting to humility. It means that humility means we are prepared to go through the pain of this self-examination of what am I really like? Not what do people think I'm like, because we can all pretend and put on a good game, but what am I really like inside? And being prepared to confess it and to forsake it. Humility is having a true sense of dependence on God. I am a humble person when I am relying on him. Not on common sense, not on my own abilities, but genuinely. Lord, I need your assistance in this. It's a true, genuine sense of reliance, dependence. Humility is avoiding arrogance and pride. What isn't it? Have I got humility? Ask yourself the question. Don't answer if I have. <clears throat> you can measure it your lack of humility by these things. Do I have a hunger for the praise of others? Then that's a weakness and it's not humility. A hunger for the praise of others. I want others to notice me and I want others to praise me. I want others to tell me how good I am. That's not humility. Or you have a desire for recognition, position, prestige. Um, you're in the habit, you lack humility if you're in the habit of comparing yourself with others. Mount Everest and the hill. If we're doing that, we're lacking humility. We lack humility, you can measure it by how often you feel hurt or slighted when you are criticised or even slandered against. 
that welling up within of self-defense and wanting to defend yourself and make it right, <clears throat> that's not humility. A person came to Abraham Lincoln one day, just to illustrate that point, and said to him, uh, Edward Stanton says that you're a fool. Abraham Lincoln's response, if Edward Stanton says I'm a fool, then I must be a fool. Because Edward Stanton is a very astute man and he makes usually very good decisions. Now that's humility. That's no desire to protect myself, to avenge myself or to hurt the other person or to right the wrongs. It's leaving it with God. Like I said, humility is something you experience more readily than I can certainly define or describe it. But when you see it in another person, you'll know it. The principal of the theological college where I was trained was a humble man, one of the humblest I have ever encountered. Ron Rogers was his name. Ron had a photographic memory. You could ring him on the phone and he could quote to you the Greek New Testament. You could say, I'm struggling with this word. He would tell you where it is, where it was. A massive intellect who through all of his academic career only had his name published once in a footnote, in a commentary by Gordon Fee on 1 Corinthians, references Ron's paper on being baptised for the dead. All of that aside, what was Ron like? When students turned up to college for the very first time with their suitcases or whatever, he just wore normal clothes. You wouldn't know he was the principal, he didn't wear his name badge or anything like that. He behaved more like the janitor. He would pick the bags up. He would take the student to their bedroom, wherever they were staying in the dorm. And then they would learn later that was the principal of the college. Humble man who was self-effacing, very humble. Ever you praised him publicly or even to his own face, he would drop his eyes, never sort of absorbed it returned it a great model and example you know to follow and for us to grow into there's a wonderful verse in 2 kings 22 verse 19 says this this is king josiah there's just been a prophet given a message of judgment things are going to go bad this is then what the lord says to him because of his humble response the lord says because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard that I had spoken against this people and against this place. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, says the Lord. Because you, your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord. That's humility. Responding appropriately to God as the one in authority over us. It's not surprising or accidental. The story following this is the one about children coming to Jesus because that's how we are to come. Just like children, we don't come to give, we come to receive. We are needy and we need God to be working in our lives. The purpose of this parable is to challenge and to correct those who were trusting in themselves and all then looking down on others. That's what pride does. It lifts us up and then makes us look down on others, comparing ourselves with one another. Are you right with God? When you die, will you go to heaven? How do you know? How do you know? 
There's only one way, and that's through Jesus. This passage reminds us that God is open to all. The lowest of the low, highest of the high, anybody and everybody can come. The children came. The tax collector came. You can come. But we need to be humble, honest, realistic, not bragging and not trusting in ourselves. Here is a wonderful promise. When sinners, even those who are selfish, dishonest and greedy, like the tax collector, when sinners approach God for mercy, you always get it. He freely and instantly grants it and there is no probationary period. So, brothers and sisters, in this pause and praise series, let us approach God. Genuinely aware that we are not worthy of any of his goodness to us or his grace to us. But because of that, he has been good and gracious to us. We can come, not because of who we are, but because of what he has done. When we come to God in prayer, let us approach him with a true sense of reliance. Not just mouthing the words, but genuinely, Lord, I need your help. I need you helping me in this. In your work situation, in your relationships with your kids, whatever is going on in your life, Lord, I want you working with me in this. I want your help relying on him. And if we're going to pray humbly, then it's prepared to face the very painful experience of self-examination, honest self-examination of where am I at really compared to God's standards, compared to what he instructs in his word How's my language? How's my loving deeds of service? How's my thoughts? How's my attitude towards others? All of those things. And not pretending anymore, but confessing and fixing up as he enables us. Let's pause and pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the story Jesus told is an encouraging story. Encouraging for me anyway, and I trust for all of us. Because there are very few of us, Lord, as good as the Pharisee. But there are many of us who are more like the tax collector. And it's encouraging, Lord, that you received him and therefore receive us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness that he brings to us and the cleansing from all of our sin. Forgive us, Lord, for being proud, for being arrogant, for being stubborn, for even being indifferent. Help us not to go about our prideful ways, but help us to be humble and to live humbly as your children, as your servants, and with one another. Lord, develop humility in all of us, I ask, in Jesus' name.